1: Part three of our NFC North opponent preview is brought to you by MyBookie. It's hard to believe, but football is almost back. Sports betting is exploding in popularity, and if you want to get in on the action with a trusted company that's been in business for years, MyBookie is the place for you. With an easy, no-hassle mobile site, 24-7 customer service, and bets on every sport and prop imaginable, MyBookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. And if you deposit today, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's right. You put in $100, they'll give you 50. You put in $1,000, they will give you 500. It's just that easy. Football weekends are the best, and they are just around the corner, but they're even more thrilling when every touchdown can win you more money. So go to MyBookie.ag and sign up today with promo code BEARS100. That's promo code BEARS100. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. The Part 3 of the NFC North Preview is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket-buying experience. Their app scans the web for all the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. So instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. Seek geek life's an event. We have the tickets. My guest today, as usual, when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings from SB nation's daily Norseman is Chris Gates. Uh, Always enjoy having him on the show. And I don't have any news or notes. I don't have an off the subject. Uh, just one thing. I saw Spider-Man over the 4th of July holiday. Hope everybody had a good holiday. um, and I thought I w- I thought it was great. I really really liked it. I'm a huge fan of the MCU. Uh, the mid credit scene was insane. For those of who've seen the movie, know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, definitely, Marvel or the MCU is doing doing justice to Peter Parker and the Spider Man character. Um, both the the uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Had their qualities. There were some things to like and some things not to like and so on and so forth. But I think they really found the perfect balance with Tom Holland uh, as Peter Parker and uh, as Spider-Man. Enjoyed the story. Jake Gyllenhaal was a beast as Mysterio, uh, the 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 villain uh, in the movie. Uh, overall, just fantastic. So I'm really excited for, and I'm not a Comic-Con guy, but Marvel's got... Uh, panel at comic-con where supposedly they're going to be announcing phase four of the mcu so we finally get to find out what comes next what movies are coming uh and everything like that we already know that the black widow solo movie is in production right now but we get to know what else is coming like when is guardians 3 coming out is there going to be a doctor strange 2 captain marvel 2 black panther 2 so on uh and so forth any new characters uh getting introduced into the mcu that are getting an origin story or a solo movie or anything like that that's coming up, I think, next weekend, like the 20th or whenever Comic-Con is, they have a panel. So keep your eyes peeled for that if you're a fan uh, of the MCU. Like I said, outside of that, nothing going on in the Bears uh, world uh, with, uh, that's newsworthy or anything like that. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in to my talk with Chris uh, about the Minnesota Vikings. And um, we talk about week 17, what happened there, how they really just weren't playing like a team with their season on the line and all the credit in the world to chris he's in agreement he, he's there's no denying uh what took place uh in that uh, football game and what the what the vikings did over the offseason and in the draft to improve the team to try to be able to come back to their 2017 form where they were one game away from the super bowl when they lost the nfc championship game to the eventual super bowl champion uh eagles uh that year so um you know, can, Curz- can Kirk Cousins answer the call when it comes to big-time games and uh, and everything in between? We we cover it all with Chris. And I just want one note about the interview. Uh, we did start having some technical difficulties about 20 or so minutes in. You'll be able to spot where, and then you'll hear a little transition noise, and then you'll hear basically part two of the interview where we kind of switched up formats a bit and uh, went on from uh, from there without any problems. So, Just in case you wanted to know why you hear the uh, knee-jerk reaction tackle sound in the middle of the interview, that's when we transitioned from what we were doing before to how we finished the interview, just to give you a heads up. So without further ado, myself, my good friend Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman previewing the 2019 Minnesota Vikings. Part number three of our NFC North opponent preview has us in Minnesota now with our longtime rival, the Minnesota Vikings, and seemingly the team that we're destined to finish the season with until the end of time. <laughs> um, and uh, here to help us talk about the Minnesota Vikings, as he always does, from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation, Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back, man.
0: Um, uh, thank you for having me as usual, Larry. And, yeah, I, I think the – the Bears-Vikings Week 17 thing is getting to the point where it needs uh, Jim Nance and its own theme music because it really has started to become a tradition like no other.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, at, at the very least, maybe the NFL could break it up and, and and switch locations from time to time. I mean, they're at least doing that with, with Green Bay and Detroit. They're flip-flopping. Like last year, they're in Green Bay. This year, they're going to be in Detroit. They could at least do that to mix it up a little bit. I mean, if we're destined to keep playing each other week 17, at least swap it up from time to time. So we play the early game in Minnesota, the late game in Chicago. Instead, they're just pretty much, you know, putting up a stencil when they rec- when they recreate <laughs> the schedule every year, be like, yep, these go, cause we're playing the green Bay in the exact same weeks that we played them last year. Week one, week 15, we're pretty much playing an identical schedule with the lions week 10, same as last year. I think it was week t- no week eleven was the first game last year, so we're playing a week earlier this year. But we're playing again on Thanksgiving, and then with us, uh, w- what was it last year? The, the last early year game we
0: didn't last year we didn't play the first time until like week ten or eleven or yeah you're right you're right you're
1: right because it was it was Detroit Minnesota Detroit that was our schedule there at that one yep. at that one juncture. But so they, they mixed it up that way. We play you week four first this time. But once again, week seventeen in Minnesota to to finish out the uh, finish out the year. So not a lot of imagination out of the NFL when it came to the division schedule for the Bears uh, this year. almost none, actually. so but uh, yeah,
0: and I, I keep I keep waiting for him to play uh, to put Minnesota in Chicago week seventeen because I think the uh, since the schedule went to the way it did with division games always being a week seventeen. Uh, we've hosted the Bears we've hosted the Packers we've hosted the Lions Uh, we've gone to Detroit we've gone to Green Bay but we have yet to go to Chicago under that format and I'm not entirely sure why that is but yeah yeah, kind of kind of the same thing for us we played uh, we played in Green Bay in week two last year we're playing in Green Bay in week two this year and you guys in uh, you guys in week 17 again in uh, in Minnesota and yeah, I, I don't know what goes into making Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders.
1: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
0: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
1: Explore more stories like Alex's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact. As you write your
0: life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career? Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are, and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu/podcast. Can the NFL schedule but yeah, they they don't seem to uh, mix it up as much as they I guess probably need to.
1: Right. Yeah. So But anyway, Week 17 seems like a good place to start. It's the last time that we had a chance to talk, uh, Chris. Unfortunately, we didn't get to talk uh, the week after for the wild uh, card week. And uh, what was more surprising about the fact that the Bears won the game was how they won the game. Week 17, aside from a kind of a furious run there in the third quarter, Week seventeen was heavily dominated by the Bears and I don't even think anyone, including me as a Bear fan, saw it going down the way it did week seventeen.
0: No, I I certainly didn't either because, you know, the speculation all week was, you know, the Bears already have the division wrapped up, how much are their starters gonna play? When is Matt Nagy gonna start pulling starters and that sort of thing? And you know, I, I don't know what was going through Minnesota's head going into that contest. I mean, knowing that you have to win or your season's over and to you know, it sh- it kind of followed the pattern of the previous couple of weeks where they basically uh decided to sleepwalk through the first half or most of the first half and even into the third quarter and then hope they could pull it out in the second half and you know you can get away with that against teams like uh, Detroit and Miami but not uh, not against this bears team and right. yeah it uh, it ended uh, pretty badly as it probably should have with the way that game went
1: yeah it was very surprising i mean i i I was not expecting that uh at at all uh, you know for it to to not be the contest that it ended up uh you know ended up being especially with like just looking at history the bears traditionally do not play well in minnesota we certainly don't win much in minnesota i think the last time we won in minnesota was like in 2011 when the metrodome was still standing uh, mm. kind of thing it's been a while since the Bears had won uh, in Minnesota and for I think the most disappointing part was the you know like you said you they, they kind of slept walk through the first half they kind of had that 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 where they got c- kind of close in the third quarter and then the Bears scored pretty much right away to kind of shut that down it was almost like the Vikings thought they had extra time or something because they didn't play like a team that was playing for their season that, on that day no
0: they really didn't and I said, i don't understand what the uh, what the thought process was and you know as disappointing as the offense was in that game because the offensive line was disappointing all year and you know even at the end of the game when the bears were putting backups in there the vikings offensive line were just getting worked yeah. by the the bears backups which is yeah. bad but you know the the vikings scored their touchdown to get to within three points and they kicked the ball back off to the Bears again. And they went out there, and for the season, they were the best third-down defense in the NFL. And, you know, on that drive that came after the touchdown, they just couldn't get a stop. They couldn't get off the field. I think the Bears converted something like five third-downs in that drive. And, you know, like I said, we expected the offense to sputter at times, but, you know, you you really— don't expect that from this defense, and that was probably the most disappointing aspect of the entire thing, to be honest.
1: I bet, and you know, like I said, it was it was it was uh, very surprising for the game to turn out the way it did. And then, like you said, when Nagy finally did pull the starters, our second teamers, our third team guys were teeing off on your starting offensive line there in the last mm-hmm. five or six minutes of the game. It's like, wow, what happened today? I was like, I'm glad that we won the game, and and you know that's that's great and everything. We got the sweep. We're five and one in the division, and I, you know I was almost disappointed in you guys. I, I really thought it was going to be a uh, you know like this is what Goodell wanted everybody finishing with division games. This is what that was for, and it it mm-hmm. it, it wasn't that at all. I was I was very shocked about uh, how it all went down.
0: Oh, believe me, uh, I think we all pretty much were as well. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh that's just the way things go in the NFL, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if it was a lack of preparation or what the case might have been, but, yeah, that, that team was playing for their season in that game, and they just didn't look like they were
1: up to it for whatever reason. Did did um, did the did Zimmer have an explanation for what happened? Was he giving all credit to the Bears? Was he saying this was my fault or, or anything like that afterwards? I I can't remember
0: what Zimmer said after the game. I mean, obviously he said that they didn't play well enough to win, but I think he did give a fair amount of credit to the Bears, but, yeah, I would have to go back and dig up the quotes to see exactly what he said about that one.
1: So the season, unfortunately, uh, comes to an end, and, uh, unfortunately, not playing you meant we had to play the Falcons, or not the Falcons, the Eagles, and we all know how that worked out, and we won't talk about that uh, right now. We've, We've got plenty of... We've been it's been seven months and we're still talking about it's kind of thing. So I think we'll avoid that uh, for now. The Vikings move into the offseason and it wasn't a very busy one uh, for you guys. Uh, you re signed Anthony Barr, you re signed Brent Jones, and then you bring in, um, was it Shamar Steven from a defensive mm-hmm. tackle from uh, Seattle? And then you, you signed some guards, Joss Klein from Tennessee and Dakota Dozier, from the jets but i think the headlines for the vikings are who they let go there was kind of like andrew sandejo is gone george ioka is gone mike remmers uh latavius murray nick easton sheldon richardson so a lot of changes on the on the on in the trenches on the offensive line defensive uh line there was was that the main focus of the offseason for the vikings this year uh, I, yeah, I think the big focus has
0: been rebuilding the offensive line because I think that's been the focus for this team every year for the last five years, and it right. hasn't gotten done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the writing was pretty much on the wall for Remmers and Compton because, you know, Remmers, they could let go without taking a huge hit, and moving him from tackle to guard was never a move that I was a fan of, and it wound up going poorly, and so he was out the door. Uh Richardson is probably going to be a significant loss uh, depending on what the uh, the vikings do at the three technique spot uh, that's going to be the only opening for a starter on the defense uh, because they did manage to pretty much keep everybody else um, but yeah I, I guess the big signing of the offseason was klein who depending on who you ask is either an upgrade or kind of you know kind of level with uh, what we saw last year but yeah, the the Vikings knew when they signed Kirk Cousins to that big contract that they were probably going to have a couple of years where they weren't going to be uh, terribly active in free agency, right. and we saw that this year. I mean, even even retaining Bar was a huge surprise because you know everyone had said that uh, he was signed and delivered to New York, and right. yeah, you know, he, then he decided no, never mind. I, uh, he, he probably took one good look at the Jets and he was like, nah.
1: <laughs> i don't
0: want to be part of this and yeah he i think he took less money to come back to minnesota but i mean yeah it, that that was the big surprise i think for pretty much everyone
1: yeah that was an interesting what 24 48 hours at the most where you know the during the good old tampering period and everything anthony barr was announced to to have signed a a big deal uh with the jets and then oh wait no never mind anthony barr decided at the last minute to resign and, and stay with the uh With the Minnesota Vikings, what were your thoughts uh, on that? Were you happy that he came back? Did they did they spend too much money? Is it New York's loss? What what were your thoughts there?
0: I, I was pretty happy that he came back because you know people you know say they look at his numbers and they say he might have had a down year or whatnot, but he's one of the guys in Zimmer's defense who you know they can move around and do different things with, and that kind of allows the rest of the defense to do. Uh, what they need to do because you know with his speed and his uh, ability to get after the quarterback and even to drop into coverage uh he's one of the guys that uh, offensive coordinators need to account for all the time and if he had wound up leaving i'm not exactly sure who they would have tried to replace him with but uh whoever would have been the replacement probably would have been a significant downgrade so yeah it's uh, it was good for him to uh to come back at least as far as the uh the scheme on defense goes i think
1: you think it would have altered your draft strategy if if you had no anthony bar
0: i i think they still would have gone after an offensive lineman early on but yeah then in the uh, second round they might have shifted focus to that uh, to that outside linebacker spot rather than uh, looking tight end in the second round but yeah it, it might have changed things a little bit but i don't think Think it would have altered the first round pick too much because sure. I don't think there was anyone at the Viking spot at eighteen that wound up uh, that that could have fallen to that spot that uh, that would have wound up you know being able to replace Bar adequately.
1: Yeah, the only guy that that comes to mind, but I'm not sure if he's a scheme fit for you guys. Was the, was Montez Sweat? He was still there at eighteen, but yeah. I I don't know if he would be. If he'd be a stand-up outside linebacker or if a defensive end, which you guys don't need,
0: no. And he, he still had the uh, the things with his yeah, uh, medical true. issues, and yeah. you know, I I don't think the Vikings were going to be inclined to take him. I know his uh, athletic profile was off the charts and whatnot, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they could have found a use for him in the Vikings' defense, and he could have made an impact straight away. But yeah, with the with the issues that. Uh, had been talked about i don't know if the uh, the vikings would have been inclined to take him at that spot
1: so did you guys did make some changes in the coaching staff i know you changed offensive coordinators like mid-season on uh, things mm-hmm. like that did, did 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 that oc stay or do you have a new one now
0: uh yeah they uh they dumped uh john D. filippo in uh it was late in the season it was yes, like it was. Before, it was before the week 15 game and uh replaced him with kevin stefanski who's uh Stefanski's interesting. He's He was on Brad Childress's coaching staff, and then he was on Leslie Frazier's coaching staff, and now he's on uh, Mike Zimmer's coaching staff. So he's been with the Vikings for a long time. I think he's coached just about uh, every position on the offense, and now he's going to get the uh, shot to be the full-time offensive coordinator. Uh, the, the more interesting thing is that they uh, brought in uh gary kubiak to be a uh, I guess a consultant or okay. whatever his uh, his title might be uh, and they brought in a new offensive line coach in uh rick dennison who uh, mm-hmm. kubiak worked with in denver and they're apparently going to go to uh more of a finesse uh, zone type blocking scheme which uh given the way the uh, the vikings are constructed up front uh, is probably gonna well i should say probably hopefully going to work out much better for them than what we've seen over the last couple of years
1: yeah, it's always interesting um, how those uh, types of changes. And you wouldn't think there's a whole lot of room for finesse at the offensive line position. It's basically you pick the guy in front of you, you knock him down, or you get in his way, make sure he doesn't touch the guy coming in behind you, or get to your uh, quarterback. But there are actually a lot of different ways you can run your scheme up front.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm I'm not a expert on offensive line play by any stretch, but I've been trying to uh, to get smart on uh, some of the. Some of the differences and whatnot of a uh, zone blocking scheme and things of that nature. And, you know, the Vikings offensive line has, or the Vikings offensive line has a lot of smaller, quicker type guys rather than, you know, big, huge bruiser types. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, with uh, with this new type of uh, blocking scheme, hopefully things will go uh, better this season than they have the past few years.
1: Yeah, zone blocking does seem to favor, like, the smaller, quicker. Uh, offensive lines, the more agile guys, uh, if you will, uh, up front, and and Dennison did that very well with with Denver for for a long time. So I, I think that could be a good move uh, for mm-hmm. you guys. Now going into uh, draft night, what were the what were the mock drafts telling you? What what were the experts saying that the Vikings were going to do at 18 going in?
0: Well, it was interesting because uh, leading up to the draft, we put a, a weekly mock draft. Draft database together, and we event 100 mock drafts from across the internet uh, the week of the draft, and uh, you know just kind of looking around, seeing what the experts are going to do, uh, try to give some other folks some exposure, and whatnot. And I think the percentage of mock drafts that had the Vikings taking an offensive lineman in the first round was either in the high 80s or the low 90s. So I think the consensus was pretty much that the uh, the Vikings were going offensive line in the first round, uh, going offensive line, I believe, had them taking uh, defensive tackles or things of that nature. But, yeah, I, I think pretty much everyone in Vikings fandom was uh, locked onto this team taking an uh, offensive lineman in the first round, even though it's not something they've done a lot of in recent years.
1: Right. But uh, was <laughs> it was it the guy that you ended up going with, Garrett Bradbury from, from NC State, or...? Was it uh, was it was there someone else that the the mock draft and or experts favored besides the guy that you ended up picking?
0: Uh, Bradbury actually did wind up being the, uh, the consensus top overall guy in the the uh, last installment of the database. I believe he got uh, about thirty two or thirty three percent of the uh, selections. Hmm. Uh, some of the other names that were mentioned: uh, guys like Cody Ford, uh, uh, Jonah Williams, was but thankfully, we dodged that bullet, uh, at least for this season, as far as uh, Williams is concerned. But uh, yeah, uh, after his combine, I think Bradbury just kind of slowly started gaining momentum. And yeah, he uh, he played well enough where the Vikings decided to make him the 18th overall pick.
1: All right. So we we go with the uh, the offensive linemen, and <laughs> those O-line picks always provide me with, with my favorite moment in the NFL draft. and. That would be the 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 moment where like the, the team announces their pick and that's when the cameras go right to a fan of the team that's <laughs> making the pick. They announce the pick and it is clear on the fans' face, they have no idea who that is. They don't have a clue. Garrett Bradbury. Yeah. Not exactly a household name, you know, but he's the crown jewel of your draft class. Wow. He's your number one pick, and it, you just see the look on their face like uh Yay! We picked a guy. Woo hoo! Like, who is that? I have no idea who that is. You know that kind of thing. I, I always love that moment. It always makes me laugh. You just see that 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 blank, clear, that blank look come across their face. Like, uh, are we happy about this? We made a pick. Hooray! You know that kind of thing. I always love uh, to see that. So it's always entertaining to see those moments that make this choice. It's clear that fan has no idea who that person is. They can't wait for the camera to cut away so they can Google that person's name and find out who the hell that person <laughs> is that they just selected. So technical difficulties aside, Chris, we're back to talk about the rest of your uh, draft. Garrett Bradbury, your your first round pick, and uh, not exactly a name that strikes fear in the hearts uh, of anybody. But he's actually I got a question before we move on with the rest of the draft. Um, uh-huh. I've got Bradbury just listed as an offensive lineman, as an OL, not a tackle, not a guard, a center. Where do you think Bradbury's going to fit in the offensive line?
0: Well, uh, yeah, they've already made the announcement, I think, that uh, that Bradbury is going to be the starter at center uh, okay. this year. They're going to they're gonna push uh, Elfline over to guard. Uh, Elfline played guard at Ohio State and uh, was an All-American there before they moved him to center. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, yeah Bradbury is definitely going to be the uh, starter at center, uh, barring some sort of injury issue.
1: All right. So then we move on to, uh, to day two, uh, the Vikings' next pick, 50th overall, a second-round pick going with Irv Smith, the tight end out of uh, Alabama. Now, was this before or after it was finally settled that uh, Rudolph was coming back?
0: Um there was rumors all through draft weekend that, uh, that Rudolph was going to get traded to someone. Obviously the Patriots were the big name that came up, but, uh, yeah, I, Rudolph at the time was in the last year of his contract anyway. And so they didn't, uh, didn't have anything to, uh, to back him up with. So, uh, yeah, this was before anything was really officially decided with Rudolph, like before his extension or any of that sort of thing. And, yeah, I, I think the, uh, I think the Vikings are looking to use more multiple tight end sets anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Smith pick kind of made sense there, uh, regardless, I think.
1: Yeah. So it was either insurance in case he goes, or we're adding quality depth and a number two guy that will probably see a lot of the field.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's probably eventually going to be the number one guy in this offense. I mean, Rudolph's not getting any younger, right? Uh, obviously, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the uh, the offense the Vikings are going to want to run is going to have a lot more uh, multiple tight end looks, and uh, yeah, Irv Smith is the you know, the kind of guy. Uh, Rudolph isn't really going to stretch the uh, the field down the middle or anything, but Smith has more of that capability than Rudolph does, and I think he's going to be a uh, pretty solid complement in that regard.
1: All right, so then we go to the to the third round, <laughs> and the third round was the round of running backs. I mean, that's where. The Rams got a guy. The Bears got theirs. Buffalo drafted a running back in the third round. I'm sure there was another team or two in there. And then with probably one of the last picks in the third round, you guys take Alexander Madison from the from Boise State there. Is this a Latavius Murray replacement, or is that going to be up to somebody else?
0: I, I think that's the reason the Vikings took a guy like Madison is to be more of the uh, goal line type of guy, uh, short yardage, uh, type of back Uh, obviously the hope that Dalvin Cook uh, can actually stay healthy this season which is something he hasn't managed to do over his first two years and if he does stay healthy he's going to see the lion's share of the snaps but uh, yeah I think uh, Madison is more of the uh, short yardage uh, bruiser type running back that can uh, get a yard or two when you need it and be used out on the goal line as well so yeah I I think that's where he fits in with uh, Minnesota's offense right now
1: And then day three of the draft for the Vikings could be uh, categorized, uh, I think generously, as busy. Um, (laughs) You had nine picks on day three. One pick in the fourth round, but you had four in the sixth and four in the seventh. For starters, where did all of these picks come from?
0: They come from Rick Spielman's addiction to uh, sixth and seventh round picks, basically. Yeah what what happened well they started out by trading down either three or four times in the third round because yeah, you know, they were initially picking in the middle of the third round and they traded down a bunch of times and wound up with the last pick in round three and they got a bunch of extra picks uh, as a result of that and yeah if you're rick spielman you can never have too many sixth and seventh round picks i don't know exactly what the what the th- thought process behind that is mm-hmm. but that that's just the way spielman's always done things so yeah you yeah, said uh surprising.
1: you said it's a you say it's an addiction I, I definitely think he does have a problem uh for he, sure he does he's yeah he
0: needs an intervention or something <laughs> something on.
1: four sixth round picks four seventh rounders and oh yeah you had a fourth rounder in there another offensive lineman drew samia or samia i guess uh guard from oklahoma so more offensive line depth there and then in the sixth round, the four picks were a uh, linebacker, Cameron Smith from USC. You got Armin Watts, a defensive tackle from Arkansas. Marcus Epps, a DB from Wyoming. And then you're going to have to add, help me with the last guy. I'm, I see Samika, Samica? Samika, Oling. O-L-I. Oh, yeah. We'll just go with that <laughs> then because he's got yeah. like 19 letters in his first name. Uh, yeah. Udo would be his last name, a tackle from a uh, smaller school, Elon uh yes. that i am familiar with it's a one double a uh program so um out of that bunch in the sixth round anybody that could be a contributor or maybe a special teams guy anything like that
0: i really think watts has the ability to contribute right away he was kind of a guy who was a uh he was a bit of a late bloomer at arkansas really came on his uh last year at uh, in Fayetteville Mm -hmm. and I think if any of those sixth round picks has the ability to make a real impact he might be uh, the guy just given uh, the ability of Andre Patterson and the Vikings coaching staff to uh, develop defensive linemen the way they have over the years and uh, yeah I I think out of the four sixth rounders he's probably the one Uh, Udo is probably a project at this point Uh, Epps EPS has gotten a lot of positive uh, press coming out of uh, camp or coming out of, yeah, the OTAs and the mini camps. Uh, I haven't gotten to see him personally or anything. And uh, Cameron Smith is kind of one of those guys that just kind of screams a special teamer to me. Uh, I mean, obviously you need guys like that on your roster, but uh, yeah, he's a, yeah, I think he's kind of a special teams type of guy at this point.
1: And then in the seventh round, the last four selections in the seventh round, uh, Chris Boyd another DB out of Texas uh, back-to-back wide receivers in in Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon and Ola B.C. Johnson that one was a little bit easier on me Ola Johnson yes out of Colorado State and then uh, sticking with the um, the Mountain West Conference there at the end you drafted a long snapper which you don't see very often Austin <laughs> cutting out of Air Force to to round out the uh, the seventh round Are the Vikings in need of a long snapper is that why we drafted one
0: uh well I mean I don't know if they had an issue with uh, Kevin McDermott he had done a pretty solid job over the uh, the past couple of years uh he is scheduled to make uh, a couple million dollars I think this year is the uh, the long snappers so uh you know you could obviously get a cheaper option in the 7th round if you wanted to right at least uh, early on I don't know if how much that had to do with it but uh yeah it, it was a surprising pick uh, I was sad that Rich Eisen didn't go crazy over that selection
1: the way he right. does over uh, kickers and punters because I
0: guess <laughs> long snappers aren't people. I guess not. Uh, you know, to, and, uh, and I take yeah. offense
1: as a former long snapper. I take offense to that—that that we don't we don't get to be people along with kickers and punters. I, I am insulted by that.
0: No, I mean I I mentioned it to him on the Twitter machine, and you know
1: he <laughs> he, didn't, uh,
0: he didn't come back with anything. So I mean, yeah, uh, we can we can conclude. Uh, without any real uh, argument that long snappers apparently are, in fact, not people.
1: According to sad. Rich Eisen, yes, which is yeah. very, very sad. So so overall, you know, it, it, it seems like a very top-heavy draft. You got Bradbury, you got Irv Smith, who's one of the better tight ends in the draft. You got that running back late in the third round there. And then, it, I mean, are we looking for anything from Samia there, that fourth-round pick, before we get to the plethora of sixth- and seventh-round guys?
0: Now, I I think Samia is going to have a shot to at least push uh, Josh Klein for a starting spot at guard. Uh, if not, he's uh, going to provide some pretty quality depth. I think he's a guy that uh, people were surprised was available at that spot. I think most people expected him to go on day two. And uh, that was one of the few uh, trades up the Vikings actually made, as opposed to uh, continuously trading down. They uh, they did move up to get him, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah, I, I think they're expecting something out of uh, Samia to be at, at least depth, if nothing else. But, uh, yeah, the, the quality at the top of the draft was pretty good, I thought.
1: So that was the thing that the Vikings have actually done really well over the last uh, several years, is that they've hit more than they've missed with their top picks, their first-round pick, their second-round pick, and where the Bears are just the opposite. Maybe every once in a while we'll hit on a first-rounder where we find success is in day two, day three like we've had like three four years in a row where a fifth or fourth round pick has been. well i mean tariq cohen and eddie jackson both made all pro uh last year Bilal nichols was a fifth round pick uh jordan howard was a fifth round pick we've been pretty good at hitting on those picks you think that's what rick spielman is looking to do here with the eight picks he had in the last two rounds
0: i mean i'm sure he probably was i mean there's a lot of uh you know, a lot of quality to be had late in the draft still. And the Vikings, I don't know if they really have a lot of available spots on the 53-man roster Mm -hmm. uh, at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you could just, well, take some flyers on some guys that you think have some talent toward the end, uh, you know, rather than, you know, trying to fight uh, people in undrafted free agency and whatnot if there's guys that you're really focused on. And, yeah, I I think that uh, that's – a part of what Spielman's trying to do because they have had some success uh, with lower round guys as well if you look at players like uh Steven Weatherly uh, obviously Stefan Diggs and uh you know players like that David Morgan even but yeah I mean I, I I'm not entirely sure why Spielman likes having as many late round picks as he does but that, that probably has at least a little bit to do with it if nothing else
1: sure Sure. Did you guys uh, make any moves in undrafted? I know everybody signs a few guys, but uh, you had 12 draft choices. Did, did you? How many undrafted guys did you get?
0: Uh, I think there were about a dozen. I don't have the whole list in front of me. Uh, the, the big name that, uh, that the Vikings signed in undrafted free agency was uh, Jake Browning, uh, the quarterback out of uh, Washington. Okay. Uh, browning had an amazing sophomore year where he threw for 40 some odd touchdowns and finished like fifth in the heisman trophy voting as a sophomore and then his junior and senior years he was nowhere near as good as he was in that season but uh yeah he's probably the highest profile uh, undrafted free agent the vikings brought in and you know i don't know if they want to keep him around on the practice squad or if they think they or if they think he has a chance to uh, to be the third string guy or whatever the case may be but yeah uh, outside of him i don't think there were a whole lot of uh, remarkable uh, undrafted free agents brought in by the uh, the vikings this time around
1: right now the bears um <laughs> the bears went heavy on undrafted free agents because we only had 5 uh draft choices uh this yeah. year so we signed 21 undrafted free agents. Yep. Uh I think one or two that we let go, one of which was replaced by uh EJ Clemmings or TJ Clemmings uh to he's going to be a, a camp body. Uh, apparently see if he's got any juice left in uh in that old uh, offensive line body of his. So um we'll see what uh what if anything we can get out of him uh other than than maybe somebody taking up some space on the roster to to give us 90 guys to go to camp with. So uh, but we'll see. So so we're done with the draft. We've uh, you know had a very busy draft day or at least the draft Saturday, anyway, nine picks on the last uh, on the last day uh, of the draft. That's more than most teams have. No, most teams don't have nine picks. You had it on day three, which is interesting. Um, so we move into now we're, we're heading for we're headed towards 2019 now. and and what are some of the storylines that uh, that we should keep an eye on? when it comes to the Vikings heading into the season?
0: Well, obviously, the big one is going to be uh, how Kirk Cousins handles year two in Minnesota. Obviously, he had the stats uh, last year. He threw 30 touchdown passes, which I believe was a career high. But, you know, we saw it too often in uh, big games. You know, we saw it uh, in that Week 17 game against the Bears. Yeah. Uh, saw it when the Vikings went out to Seattle on a Monday night. Yeah. That, you know, he just had really bad games at the worst possible times and you know I, the offensive line has a lot to do with that but you know he is going to need to uh, to step up and make some plays uh when the team needs them this year because with the rest of the talent on this team there's no reason for this team to miss the postseason again and i think that uh, in a scheme that he's going to be more comfortable with uh, i i'm hoping that we're going to see a lot better production from him particularly in the close and late game type situations uh that's probably the big one uh, along with uh along with how the offensive line develops which as I've said has been an ongoing storyline for this team for what seems like forever
1: sure and to talk about cousins I mean that was kind of something that was a stigma for him in in Washington but in his defense he wasn't playing on the best teams uh in Washington coming to Minnesota <laughs> with the team that that you guys had and in 2017, it was supposed to be a plug and play, just throw them in there and we're off to the races uh, kind of thing. And then, like you said, had trouble coming up in those big games, that Sunday night game in Chicago, the the game in, uh, in Seattle that you talked about. And then obviously week 17 with the season uh, on the line uh, didn't do much to help you guys out there uh, either. Is that something that Minnesota fans are wary of at this point? I mean, what's the support for Kirk Cousins like after year one? I mean, I
0: think they kind of have to be. Um, you know, obviously it's something that we've seen actually firsthand now um, rather right. than you know, just hearing it from bitter, disgruntled Washington fans who were basically, yeah, we're glad he's gone, he sucked, right. uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's something the Vikings fans are uh, more wary of than they were. And it, it's not like he did that all the time last year. I mean, he had the, the nice comeback in Green Bay in a game that the Vikings should have won right and, uh, you know but yeah just as the season wore on it got uh, it got worse it seemed like and yeah i, I think this is something that uh, the uh, the Vikings faithful are going to keep an eye on this year because you know whether they like or whether we like it or not this team is married to Kirk Cousins for uh, this year and probably next year as well so yeah uh, yeah here's hoping he can take the next step forward and you know make that uh, contract a little more justifiable
1: right yeah i mean he's he's fully guaranteed across the board for all three years so yeah i mean it's you're pretty much stuck with him until next year uh at the very least and and so you're somebody to take on that contract uh for you and even then there's some kind of salary cap hit implications with that i've never really understood but um yeah so i mean are there any other position battles like on the offensive line uh who are who are battling for spots, and and who do you think who do you think the offensive line is going to be when it's all said and done?
0: Uh, I think your starters across the offensive line, at least to start the year, is going to be uh, Riley Reef at left tackle. Uh, Elfline is going to move over to left guard. Uh, Bradbury is going to be your center. Uh, Josh Klein is going to be uh, your right guard, and uh, Brian O'Neill will be back at uh, right tackle. And uh, other than that, I think there's going to be a lot of fights for uh, depth. Uh, whether it's a swing tackle, whether it's guys like uh, Rashad Hill or uh, Aviat Collins or Drew Samia or uh, Danny Isadora, whoever steps up in uh, camp because, you know, we've seen even if you have talented positions, uh, you're going to need talented guys behind them without uh, too much of a drop-off. So uh, I think the starters on the offensive line are going to be basically set but uh, the battle for the uh, the depth spots behind them should prove to be pretty
1: interesting, I think. And how about the uh, the wide receiving core was was it injuries uh, last year that kind of that held the guys back a bit? I mean, I know overall they didn't have they had fairly decent seasons, but it just didn't seem to have the same impact as it did in 2017.
0: No, and I think as the year went on, teams started. Uh, Showing double teams to both uh, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen more frequently, and uh, Laquan Treadwell continued to be a flop uh, for right. the most part. So uh, yeah, there was really not a number three guy uh, to uh, to come in and take up that slack. <laughs> uh, that that's probably going to be a big part of the reason we see more uh, two tight end sets with Rudolph and Irv Smith. But uh, the the third wide receiver spot is going to be a pretty interesting uh, competition. Uh, just because you know somebody has to benefit from uh, teams paying extra attention to Theon uh, and Diggs all the time. And, yes, I guess it's just going to be a matter of who uh, Kirk Cousins develops the best chemistry with, whether it's uh, Jordan Taylor, uh, whether it's Dylan Mitchell or uh, Ola B.C. Johnson or uh, whoever the case may be.
1: And then on the defensive side, you guys have a, an embarrassment of riches in in the corner. Uh, position with Hughes and Xavier Rhodes and such um are there any open spots on you know like nickel corner or anything like that on the defensive side
0: well the uh, the corner situation is getting to be a little dicey uh actually because uh we're hearing uh rumors that uh Hughes might not be ready for the start of camp oh. after tearing his ACL last year um uh, he's made some progress in his rehab but he might have to start out on the uh, physically unable to perform list mm. And, uh, yeah, also Holton Hill, who, uh, was an undrafted free agent who came on, uh, late last year, is going to miss the first four games of the season <coughs> because of a, uh, PED suspension. Uh oh. So, uh, at corner, you've got Rhodes and you've got Trey Waynes and you've got, uh, Mackenzie Alexander at the nickel corner. Uh, but, uh, yeah, beyond those three, uh, things are going to be a little iffy. Uh, I think Chris Boyd has some potential, uh, and, uh, yeah, we're going to have to see how the depth chart fills out behind him. But yeah, about the only starting spot uh, that's going to be open and available on defense at this point is the uh, three-technique tackle now that Sheldon Richardson's moved on to Cleveland. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Shamar Steffen earlier. Uh, he spent the first four years of his career in Minnesota, so he knows the scheme. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we'll have to see how things uh, shake out behind him, whether someone like uh, jalen holmes or jaleel johnson or uh, even hercules Mataafa, who's gotten a little bit of uh of steam this off season who's uh made the move to uh defensive tackle as well uh see if he can play a role in uh, in this defense but yeah it's uh there's not a lot of starting spots to be had on the uh the defensive side but uh yeah they're once again the battle for depth spots is going to be uh, pretty interesting to
1: watch so, considering that the offense or and the defense or just the roster in general seems to be in as good a shape it was or as it is now, not a lot of spots to fill. You weren't very active in free agency; it was more about trying to keep guys as opposed to losing, uh, you know, and things like that. It's more of a roster that requires maintenance instead of an overhaul uh, kind of thing. Very much like the the position that the Bears were in, other teams like the Rams and the Saints tweaking this adding that you know no big holes to fill more so about adding depth and making sure that uh you know god forbid if we lose somebody somebody quality can step up uh behind them uh kind of thing overall what was it that you think that the vikings struggled with last year to end up in the spot that they were in i i
0: think uh once again, more so than anything else, it goes back to just how bad the offensive line was last mm. year. I mean, the the running game was basically non-existent. And I mean, some of that owes to uh, Dalvin Cook being injured. But for the most part, the run blocking just was not very good. And uh, I believe Pro Football Focus uh, said that they gave up more quarterback pressures than any team in the league, which is never a category you want to lead the league in. Right. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest part of what happened last year I mean there wasn't a lot of change on the offensive line from the year before to last year but uh, the difference was you know we had a quarterback in uh Case Keenum who could uh show a little bit of escapability and kind of you know extend plays and whatnot and Cousins for all his talents and all his abilities is not uh, that kind of quarterback and they didn't really do anything to uh to fix the situation going into last season, and I think that's why their uh, primary focus was on that area uh, this past off season in the draft and whatnot.
1: Sure, sure. So, brief look at the schedule before we let you go, Chris. And um, it looks like your uh, big games, if you will, are, are more so in the second half of the of the year. You start at home with the Falcons. You're at Green Bay, which is a revenge <clears throat> game for both of you because neither of you won Week Two in Green Bay last year. Uh, you're home for the Raiders, then at Chicago for that early date, week four uh, against the Bears, then at the Giants, home for the Eagles, which would be a bigger game for you, at Detroit, and then Thursday night against the Redskins. So there's your first national TV game uh, of the year. It's a um, well, it's actually in Minnesota, so I was going to say it's a return home for Kirk Cousins, but it's in Minnesota. But that's a Thursday night game at Kansas City after that, uh, at the Cowboys for Sunday Night Football, another big game for you, and then home for the Broncos before a week 12 bye, so a late bye for the Vikings this year.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, always, I think it's always nice to have the late bye. I hate having the the bye early in the season, like week five or week six, because you, know, uh, you, know, you go into that home stretch, you don't really get a lot of a break. Uh, last year the bye was right in the middle of the season, which was also nice. But, yeah, I I do like the idea of the late bye uh, for this team, especially being the uh, the veteran club that they are.
1: And then uh, off the bye, you're at at Seattle for Monday night, so another revenge game there. You lost a big game in Seattle last year. Home for the Lions at the Chargers on Sunday night football, then home for Green Bay on Monday night. So some three almost back-to-back big games. And then surprise, surprise, week 17, Home for the Chicago Bears. Stop me if you heard that one before. (laughs) So fourth year in a row, fifth time in the last six years, we're ending it in Minnesota against the Bears. So um, like you and I were talking about at the top of the show, not of a lot of imagination with the NFL as far as the schedule is concerned, but two very big games for the Vikings at the end, uh, especially if you guys are in the running for it. Three out of the last four uh, are division games. Home for the Lions, and they're all home games too home for the yep. lions, home for the packers, home for the bears to uh to finish out the uh to finish out the year. So that's a uh, December's going to be a big month for the Vikings this year.
0: It certainly is. Yeah, we get all the uh divisional road games out of the way by I believe it's either week 7 or week 8. Yeah, yeah I think it's week 7 cuz I week think we seven, play the yeah. lions in Detroit in week 7 and yeah, so that uh, that stacks up nicely for us and you know, that's uh, that's Ben Cousins other uh kind of bugaboo, I guess, is that he hasn't done great in uh, primetime games. He did play well in the uh, Sunday nighter against Green Bay at home last year, but yeah, all the other primetime games, he looked pretty bad, and so the National Football League decided to give us five primetime games this yes. year, which was uh, which was nice of him, so right. yeah, I hope that's uh, that's just one more thing that needs to be overcome, and hopefully he can make that happen.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like one of those old-school dads who teaches his kids how to swim by throwing them into the water, they're either going to figure <laughs> it out or they're not, so... Here, just throw you in there. You know, you're either going to figure out how to win those spotlight games or you're just going to keep losing them. It's up to you kind of thing.
0: Yeah, last year was definitely not figuring out. But, uh, yeah, this year hopefully things will be different.
1: Yeah, especially since they all come in the second half of the year. They start week eight. And, like you said, you have three in the month of December there right at the very end uh, of the year. So it's going to be a sink or swim month one way or the other for the Vikings.
0: Yep, it sure is, and you know this team has enough talent to be there at the end. It's just a matter of whether or not they can uh, they can get the big games handled and whatnot. So hopefully, that's something that will happen.
1: So what uh, what are you what are you looking for with the team this year? I mean, do you have an idea? For, I'm not going to ask you for for a record, but you know, where do you think the Vikings can go this year?
0: Uh, I. Like I said, I don't think there's any reason why this team shouldn't get back to the playoffs this mm. year. Um, they should definitely be in contention for a playoff spot. And, yeah, I I will be disappointed if they're not uh, in the tournament at the end of the year. Sure. Um, like I said, they've got all the talent to be there. Um, yeah, I, I think anything short of at least a playoff berth, and if nothing else, a uh, significant playoff run uh, is going to be classed as a disappointment for this team.
1: Where do you think that puts Zimmer if they fall short again?
0: Uh, I don't think he would lose his job if they fell short, but his uh, seat going into 2020 would definitely be uh, significantly warmer than it is now. I so, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, if if they don't make it this year, he's uh, he's going to have some uh, some things to answer for. And like I said, I don't think they'd fire him if they didn't make it this season, unless they completely bottomed out and went like three and thirteen or something, which I don't see happening but right. yeah if if they don't make it this year i think uh, he's going to be one of those coaches on the hot seat going into uh, 2020 with the with the roster this talented and you know an, an ownership group that uh, that really wants a, a title in the city
1: sure sure so yeah i mean the, the vikings are definitely going to be a team to watch i mean this is the nfc that we're talking about and that that sends a different team to the super bowl pretty much every single year and uh, so it, it's 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 a wide open race pretty much for for anyone. If you can put it together, uh, it's yours. It's not like the AFC where it's the same two or three teams uh, every single year. So I mean it's it's always uh, it's always an open race uh, in the NFC. So I I, I I don't have any issues you know making the Vikings uh, a playoff team uh, as well. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, I think they'll be one of the six at the end of the, at the end of the year and uh, trying to figure out how to win some January games uh, this time around. So I I would not be shocked at all to, to to be talking about uh, a playoff game for Minnesota this year.
0: No, it certainly would be uh, nice if it happened because, you know, we got that big disappointment at the end of last year. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys on this team that got a taste of it in uh, 2017 when they came close and, You know, they're all going to want to get back there, and hopefully that'll be enough to uh, propel this team back into the uh, postseason and hopefully onto a a significant run there.
1: You know what's interesting, uh, before I let you go, thinking about how the Vikings and their playoff runs have been over the last several years, I'm I'm thinking even back to like 2000 and such, is that I noticed that the end of the year is always crushing in one way or the other. Like I think back to some of the, you know, thinking back, Go ahead. You know, yeah. Well, to the to the '98 championship game, that was an absolute heartbreaker. You know, overtime loss, that kind of thing. You get back to the NFC title game in 2000. It's like the Vikings never got off the bus. 41 to nothing, they lose uh, to the Giants, and and you know, the the heartbreaker to um, uh, or actually that was the heartbreaker for the Saints, not you guys. Um, but you get to the NFC championship game. You look like the team to beat against the. The Eagles, after scoring the first touchdown in the game, that was pretty much it. You're blown out by the the Eagles, a uh, kind of thing. It just seems like it's one extreme or the other for the playoff runs for the Vikings over the se- or the last several years.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you talked about uh, 2009
1: with all the uh, oh right, and, Jesus Christ, Brett Favre. Yeah, wow, and the, uh, and the and the bounty thing that came from that, and all right? The, uh,
0: the dirtiness and. Uh, Blair Walsh missing a field goal that he probably should have made in his right. sleep against Seattle. Seattle
1: that's right. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: We're, uh, we're up for getting our souls crushed on a, uh, a regular basis. That's just kind of what we do here in Minnesota. <laughs> and, uh, just, just once. I mean, I, I actually have a shirt in my closet that says just one before I die. You know? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I look forward to the day where I can maybe think about throwing that shirt out because I won't need it anymore. And you know, yeah, it it would be awesome for it to happen. It would have been awesome for it to happen a couple years ago when the Super Bowl would have been in Minnesota. Yeah, but sure. uh, yeah, we're a. Uh, that's like I said. That's just kind of what we do. We just uh, get our souls ripped out on a regular basis, and yeah. every every year we keep coming back and asking for more. I don't know if that says uh, more about the team or more about us. Well, but, isn't uh, that
1: the uh, yeah. what they say that that's the definition of insanity? To <laughs> it sure is. You know. and and, and, uh doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result yeah and
0: uh, and by that standard nobody is more insane than we are i guess
1: (laughs) well the bears uh bear fans are giving you a run for your money that's for sure Uh, we keep (laughs) coming back so but uh we'll see how the year uh shapes out uh for both our squads uh we get to talk early uh week four we'll have you back on to uh preview that first month and and see how our teams are going to wrap up the uh the month of september and then as usual we'll uh we'll have a date around christmas time to uh to talk about week 17 and where our teams are at and how important that week 17 game may or may not be um that we're engaging in uh the, at the end of the uh season um but uh where can we keep up with you uh in the meantime chris
0: uh we've got all our stuff at uh daily com. uh Twitter handle as usual is uh, at Daily Norseman, and uh, yeah, we're uh, getting ready for camp, and we're going to start uh, pushing out a lot more stuff here uh, going forward. So yeah, it's, uh, it should be pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is what I call the even though the temperatures are getting warmer and warmer, this is the Siberia of the off season where <laughs> there. I mean, especially in this like six week period. From the end of mini camps to the beginning of training camp, where everybody's on vacation. Unless they're getting arrested, you're not hearing about anything that the teams uh, are doing uh, or anything. So, in, in this one, in this six week period, no news is good news uh, for the most part. But this is that time of year where there's literally nothing going on. So, that's why I like to keep myself busy doing shows like this with the opponent previews. And that's why I, I enjoy having you on the show when the Minnesota Vikings come up.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Larry, and I'm already looking forward to uh, week four, and, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully, both our teams will be making uh, quite a bit of noise this year in the NFC.
1: Sounds good. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman from Recipe Nation helping us preview the 2019 Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Remember, guys, Bears 100 is the promo code to get your 50% deposit bonus at MyBookie and ACAA, promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. I want to thank Chris Gates for coming back onto the show once again. And, uh, you know, him and, and, and Jeremy and, and Evan Western, um, my, my, my respective Vikings, Packers, and Lions guys have been guests since the first year that i started doing they've been back every year and i enjoy talking to them um, every time i really do and uh, so as, uh, as long as i can keep getting them to come back they will be the people that we speak to in regards uh, to our nfc north brethren and uh, speaking of which um, lauren cox who has been a good friend of the show since i think 2016 will be back with us later this week to help preview our beloved Chicago Bears, because we've come to the end of the road of our 14-show series that is the 2019 Opponent Preview uh, series. Uh, I've had a blast uh, doing this, as I'm sure you've heard me say, in the other 12 episodes, (laughs) including this one, uh, number 13. Uh, Next one will be the 14th and final, where uh, Lauren and I will do a deep dive on our beloved Chicago Bears uh, talk about the, uh, the offseason, uh, the moves that were made, including the hiring and, uh, of Chuck Pagano, losing Vic Fangio, uh, Bryce Callahan, Adrian Amos, Buster Skrein, uh Cordero, Cordero Patterson, so on and so forth, and everything in between. The draft, looking ahead to 2019, we'll cover it all. So I hope that you will join us uh, for that one. That episode will drop on Friday for sure. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll wrap this up. Wrap this opponent preview series up for 2019 and get ready for the preseason and everything. But don't forget, we have our little interview series before the preseason gets underway. Uh, first up on Tuesday, Adam Rank from NFL Network will be joining us. we will be talking about everything uh, about the Bears and uh, fantasy football and uh, talk about his upcoming show uh, in the Chicago area. That's happening on the 21st i still haven't gotten the details i should email him about that i'll have more information for you guys on friday when i talk to uh lauren about uh what the show is where you can get it and tickets and so on and so forth if you're interested but he will be on the show next tuesday to to talk about uh well everything we'll talk about adam rank and how he got to where he is with the nfl network and uh What's the deal? Because I I got in touch with Adam through another show on the Armchair Network, which was a Los Angeles Angels podcast. So it turns out Adam Rank is a Angels fan. So is he an L.A. guy that grew up as a Bears fan or is he a Chicago guy that somehow became an Angels fan? We'll get to the bottom of that and everything else in between with Adam Rank. Then Coach Don Patterson, um, the head coach at Western Illinois, when I was there, who also happened to be on the same coaching staff at the University of Buffalo that was coaching Khalil Mack. He'll share some stories about Khalil and also talk about his uh, his uh, his amazing career as an assistant to Hayden Fry in Iowa, his time as a head coach at Western Illinois, and the players that he came across uh, there uh, as well, and and everything else that that we can cover there. I'm really looking forward. Uh, to having Coach P on the show and, and uh, digging into that with them. Then uh, Carolina Teague from ESPN in San Antonio uh, is going to be on the show, a Chicago girl working down there in uh, Texas. And then uh, Emery Moorhead will be on the week of training camp to talk about training camp and what it was like and how he prepared for it, what players go through today to get ready, and obviously the vast difference between the generations. Thirty years ago when Emery was a player, there was a lot more into training camp than there is today and it's documented and legal and, and all that kind of stuff that uh hitting is 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 that a, is a bare minimum trying to preserve these players bodies for the regular season so they don't get too beat up uh during preseason and then and, and to get ready for uh for the regular season and such so we'll talk about all that and everything else so adam rank carolina teague coach patterson emory moorhead Those will be the last four shows before we head into the preseason, and I'm pretty sure I've got it timed out just right that the Carolina Teague episode will be coming out, and then the following week will be our first review episode of the year as we talk about the Bears and the Panthers week one in the preseason so uh, i think i'm i'm timing them out just right instead of having two episodes a week i think we're going to do one episode a week between now and then that that fourth and final episode will come out the week before um the preseason games then we'll do like one a week for the preseason reviews and then bam Two shows a week in the regular season, a preview and a review as we barrel into this 2019 season that I have been looking forward to since before 2018 started. I've had a feeling, you guys know, I've said this several times, I had a feeling about 2019 since before the 2018 season started, and I am so excited, so anxious, and a little afraid to find out if I'm right about it, you know, because I don't want to be wrong. You know, I don't want to have been waiting for 2019 only to watch this team go 6-10 and 10 or something like that. So we know that's not going to happen. This is going to be an awesome football team, and uh, unless something catastrophic happens, we're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL and have a lot to say about how the 2019 season turns out. Uh, hopefully the road to Miami has to go through Chicago and the Bears redeem themselves in their last trip uh, to the Hard Rock Cafe Bowl or whatever the hell they're calling that place down. It used to be Joe Robbie when I was a kid, but who knows what they're calling it now. The stadium where the Dolphins play is hosting the Super Bowl this year. The last time the Bears went down there for a Super Bowl, they lost to the Colts. So hopefully we'll redeem ourselves and reclaim the NFL championship, a.k.a. the Super Bowl crown, the Lombardi Trophy, bringing it back home to Hallis Hall in Lake Forest in Chicago. Loving it. So... Anyway, come on back Friday. Lauren Cox and myself break down our beloved 2019 Chicago Bears, what they could be, what they will be, what we want them to be, and everything in between. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.